Happy holidays, Scarecasters. Today is Black Friday, and I know you all want a great deal. So guess what? I'll be having a sale on all my merch all weekend. Go cop a shirt, hoodie, or hell, even a pillow at thescarecast.com slash store. Today, I will tell you three creepy stories which all mainly revolve around ghosts and spirits. If you go to the mall to pick up on some Black Friday deals, whatever you do, don't get a Ouija board because the last story on this episode will show you why it may be a bad idea. Well, enough with this intro. It's time for some scary stories. I was eight years old when we first moved into the house on the edge of the forest. My parents had their doubts about buying a house with a backyard bordered by forest. They had concerns about wild animals getting into our bins or hurting our dogs. And we're worried one of us might go too far into the trees and get lost. But it was cheap. My dad liked seclusion. My mom loved the house itself. My siblings and I were all excited about playing in the backyard and exploring the forest. Our first sign that something wasn't right was that our dogs were absolutely terrified of the forest. They never went into the forest for any reason. If a toy they'd been playing with found its way past a tree line, they would refuse to retrieve it. And when one of us went in to get it, They would pace around anxiously until we returned. On occasion, we'd notice the dogs staring at a spot in the forest in obvious distress, sometimes growling or barking, but we could never see anything there. My brother once carried one of the dogs into the trees to show her that there was nothing scary about it, but she wriggled out of his grip sprinted into the house in a panic. If we were in the backyard when it was getting dark, we sometimes heard noises like someone was walking around through the forest, sticks crunching underfoot, branches being pushed aside. If we called out, there would usually be no response, but if we shined a flashlight around, we would occasionally catch a glimpse of something for a split second that we swear looked like a person walking around in the dark. My parents quickly banned us from entering the forest at all after dark. And even during the day, we weren't allowed to go out of sight of the house. My sister's bedroom window looked out at the backyard and the forest beyond. And she remembers looking out her window one night and seeing a shadowy figure standing right at the edge of the backyard. She says there was something wrong with it, like it wasn't quite standing on the ground. It was a little too tall to be a person, and sort of distorted. She was convinced that it was staring at her. She called for our dad, saying that there was a man in the yard staring through her window, and when he ran outside to chase off whoever it was, she continued to watch the figure, and it didn't move away. But when the light from our dad's flashlight passed over it, 
suddenly just wasn't there anymore. We regularly heard knocking at the back door at night with no one there. My parents thought it was teenagers playing pranks and stopped bothering even opening the door until one rainy night when the knocking was persistent and agitated. My mom pointed out that there might be someone needing shelter from the heavy rain outside. But when she opened the door, not only was there no one there, but there were no wet footprints on the porch. The knocking continued the whole time we lived there. It would happen several times in the span of a few weeks, then stop for months, and then start up again. My parents eventually installed a security camera, and there was never anyone at the door. The camera wasn't at all useless though. About three years into living there, my brother started to have night terrors and he would sleepwalk. When he went sleepwalking, he would always go out the back door and start walking towards the forest. My mom, being a light sleeper, would hear the door open and would run out to get him before he made it into the forest. After the third or fourth time it happened, my brother asked to see the camera footage because he wanted to see what he looked like when sleepwalking, I guess thinking it would look funny. The video showed him walking out into the porch, then pausing as if listening to something and shaking his head, then reluctantly walking forward as if being pulled or forcefully guided by something. One evening, my dad was in the backyard and he heard my sister calling him from the forest, seemingly in distress. Thinking she'd gone exploring in the forest and fallen over and hurt herself, he ran in and started calling to her, but quickly realized that it was too dark to see her and he couldn't pinpoint where her voice was coming from. He told her to wait where she was while he grabbed a flashlight. When he ran back into the house for the flashlight, he saw my sister inside, safe and completely unconcerned. At the time, my dad hadn't told us about hearing my sister's voice in the forest. So, when I heard my mom's voice coming from the forest months later, while I was outside with the dogs one evening. I didn't question it, despite the fact that I'd seen my mom inside recently and hadn't noticed her walk past me. My mom was calling to me, saying she'd gotten her sweater, caught in some branches, and needed me to come in to help her. As I walked in, my dog started barking, alerting my dad who saw me through the window, wandering to the forest he came outside and called to me and I said I was just helping mom he yelled back that mom was inside and that I needed to run back to the house as fast as I could which I did after this my parents had a fence built around the backyard and started looking for a new place and the time between the fence being built and us moving out, it got way worse. 
we'd hear knocking at the door more often, as well as tapping on the windows, as if someone was walking the perimeter of the house and trying every window. We would often hear scratching and scraping sounds on the fence and voices beyond it. My brother's night terrors got more frequent, and one night, my mom didn't hear the door open when he went sleepwalking, and he woke up standing at the fence, staring into the forest with the dogs barking at him. The last morning we spent there, less than four years after we moved in, we woke up to find the back door fully open and the security camera footage showed it slowly swing open on its own. Since moving out, my brother's sleepwalking has stopped, though he still gets night terrors and he suffers from pretty severe anxiety. A few nights ago, he called me out of the blue, and after a bit of small talk, he asked me if I think the door being opened that final night means whatever was out there finally got in. He was trying to make light of it, saying he has to get into the spirit of Halloween, joking about how we all need to see an exorcist just in case something latched onto us all those years ago. But I think he's deeply bothered about everything that happened. I know I still am a little. I still get nervous around dark wooded areas. I don't know what I think was out there in the forest behind our house at night, but I get the feeling that, given the chance, it would have swallowed us whole. Blending supernatural horror with Lovecraftian storytelling, the sleep-wake cycle follows a strange twins, Isaiah and Rosemary. Their mission, to fulfill a secret government agency's directive to bring the U.S. back from the brink of madness. Born with strange abilities, the twins investigate the wellness of a republic ravaged by the great darkness of 1999, with cults, conspiracies, and strange entities pervading society. The twins must investigate and survive both the world around them and their own breed of post-darkness psychosis. Check out the brand new horror podcast series, The Sleep-Wake Cycle, on your favorite podcast platform. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. When I was a baby, my parents bought an old house in a historical society that used to be a toll house way back in the day. 
that's approximately 315 years old, but I think I am lowballing it. I had never felt completely safe in that house for the 25 years I lived there. When I was a kid, I thought it was normal to just always feel like you were being watched and to feel something hanging on your back. I wasn't allowed to go over to people's houses or have anybody over until I got to around middle school. I still remember it, going to a friend's normal, modern house when I was 12 years old and immediately feeling safe and private. And I didn't feel eyes burning into me. It was just so strange to feel that. And I remember dreading going back home. I didn't fully click that my house was odd until my friends came over and they said my house was creepy. I remember going to the bathroom while they were waiting in my bedroom. My dad was asleep in bed and my mom was in her office working, one floor and several rooms adjacent away. I came back from the bathroom and they had asked me who I was talking to. I said, I wasn't talking at all when I was in the bathroom. And I remember one friend telling me that she heard two women whispering just outside my door. She thought I was talking to my mom. That moment really chilled me. They were afraid to sleep in my room and ended up staying awake all night. I remember most nights when I would go to bed, would feel like a man was watching me through my window. I slept on the second floor. It felt like there would be somebody standing on the roof, watching me even though I know there physically was nobody there. I begged my mom for years to get curtains, but she refused. She refused to put any curtains up in the house, and I always felt watched from the roof and the backyard. I eventually put up blankets to feel safe, but I still felt eyes burning into me. We had a decently furnished basement where my brother and I had all our video game stuff, and anytime we brought friends down there, they would always ask to go back upstairs instead, but never said why. I grew to love and hate the basement as it was a respite for my mother, but then I would have to deal with the door opening and shutting by itself as well as feelings of hands on my ankles from time to time if I tried to nap. I remember one time asking my brother if he ever experienced that, and he said he would often feel the sensation of a hand by his feet, but ignored it because it was that or deal with my mother. Not getting into a can of worms, but yes, we preferred being terrified instead of dealing with our mother soon became a running joke to not go into the basement unless you wanted to get grabbed and it became normal to just feel fucking uncomfortable down there at times not many things happened to me physically at that house almost always it was the feeling of being watched or seeing a figure in my peripheral only to turn and nothing be there there are a few things of note that I can think of now and one is that there were regularly footsteps in my parents' bedroom. But unlike everything else that happened in that house, this was comforting. 
In the summer, we would sleep on my parents' floor because it helped save on AC. I would stay up very late on my Game Boy while my parents slept. But frequently, the sound and feeling of footsteps would go by me on the floor. This was when I was very young and it was just a normal thing and that made me actually feel safe. Like, whoever was walking around was just making sure that everything was alright. Even as I got older and would sit in the room directly below my parents' room, if I heard the footsteps up there while my parents were in the other rooms, I kind of felt at ease and like whoever was up there wanted me to know that they were there. Also, we had quite a large backyard, about an acre of land and was really pretty, but I would often have terrifying nightmares of it most nights. I would have bad dreams about people dragging me out there or wild animals attacking me while figures watched. I honestly believed people may have died out there. I stayed out of the backyard as much as possible when I lived there. And those dreams plagued me for years. The last thing I can think of off the top of my head was when I was in senior year of high school. My mom and I were really at odds as I was the only child left in the house. She kept asking me to sleep on the floor in the living room. At this point in my life, she slept on the couch and my dad slept in the bed because he genuinely snored so loud she couldn't take it. I really didn't want to sleep in there with her. The living room has four large windows, two facing outside and two facing the backyard. I hated it. I reluctantly agreed and I remember her leaving the TV on some animal channel when she fell asleep. I was laying on the floor on my phone when suddenly I felt a full hand, palm and fingers lay on the back of my head and quickly shoved my head down into the pillow. I'm getting anxious just thinking about it. The only people home were my mom, myself and my dad. I could hear my dad snoring upstairs and my mom was five feet away on the couch. I was utterly terrified and I yelled, STOP! and hid under my pillow in fear. My mom freaked out and had no idea what was going on and I was too afraid to move. She didn't believe me when I told her what happened and I remember going back to my bedroom and praying to whatever God would listen to keep me safe from whatever had done that. I could still feel the phantom sensation of that hand I remember basically never wanting to go into the living room again after that, unless it was daytime or if somebody else was with me. The older I got, the less safe I felt in that house. I eventually isolated myself to my bedroom when I wasn't at school or work, but I couldn't really fall asleep until 8 or 9 in the morning because I just always felt watched. I started buying white and black candles from the local pagan store as they told me white was to promote positive energy and black was to protect my mind. You can imagine after 25 years of weird shit and feeling unsafe, 
was willing to try anything to keep me feeling somewhat sane. It helped a lot, but maybe it was just a placebo. Who knows? Now I live in an apartment very far away from that house and experience zero paranormal things. I don't feel watched and I don't feel scared. I don't have nightmares and I finally feel safe. I hate going there to visit my parents. So my cousins, Kelite, Guero, Boney, Chewy, who were all boys, and myself, a 14-year-old girl, we all found a board inside a box in my late great-uncle's house. It was also my cousin Hedo's idea to play it. It takes some convincing, but we all went to an empty field close to my Nana's house and tried to play with it. We had always been warned to never play with anything like this, but we were kids and, well, you know, we like to seek the thrill of not listening to adults. Anyway, we did the ritual, or at least what we thought we had to do. We didn't have the internet to look this up, but... We had heard word of mouth from friends, what we thought we needed to do, which was place a finger on the tab and move it around as we asked the board a question, and then stop moving when we finished asking the question. Seemed innocent enough, right? We asked a silly question, like what day it was, and we got nothing. The tab didn't move at all. Then Bonnie asked, When will I die? And the tab began to move. We all laughed thinking that either Bonnie or Chewie was moving it. But as it moved across the board, we all felt like an electric shock on our fingertips. It startled me and I moved my hand off of it because I felt scared. But quickly, Haddo told me to put my hand back and he called out each letter that the board spelled out. P... R-O-N-T-O Pronto Which translates to soon I remember the feeling around us went from nothing to frightening I had the urge to back off and run away But of course Huero, who could see that I was very uncomfortable Reassured me that we were okay And that I was just letting the nervousness get to us now, because Bonnie had asked something that made the tab move, we told him to ask another question. He looked scared, but he finally asked if he was going to be killed. And right away, the tab moved to the word yes. I'm not going to lie. When this happened, he took his hand off the board. And I remember all of us just looking at him and had tried to calm him down. At this point, Hedo said that it could be anyone moving the tab. But deep down, that was the excuse to keep the little piece we were holding on to. Because even as Chewie, Kelite, and I still had our finger on the tab, we felt something when the tab moved. Bonnie said that he was scared and didn't want to continue. But Hedo told him that we had to finish what we started. Bonnie insisted that we stop, and Hedo, like the real smooth talker he is, convinced Bonnie to keep playing. 
This time, Kalite asked, When would Bonnie be killed? Bonnie was pissed off when he asked that. Kalite was the jokester among us. I think he was just trying to lighten the mood, but Bonnie was really on edge. Anyway, the board answered, Tan. Chewie then spoke up and he said, Guys, I feel like something is holding me in place. I've been trying to lift my finger off this since it moved last time, he said. And that's when we all tried to get off the tab, but couldn't. And that's when Bonnie and Kalite panicked. They started to scream, and Hedo tried to keep us all calm. We were held in place by something. It was horrifying. We couldn't move. It was like we were frozen in place. Hedo again got my other two cousins to stop breathing hard and yelling. Chewie and I were crying. Hedo said, We just need to finish the game, guys. We need to stay level-headed. He spoke calmly, but he was scared like us. Then I asked how we were going to finish when we didn't even know when we started. Hedo said we would just ask if it was okay to leave. He took a deep breath and asked if we could leave, and it answered no. Bonnie was a little more calm, but he said, Maybe we need to ask one more thing before asking if it was okay to release us. Hedo agreed and he asked who was with us. It spelled out S-A-T-A-N-A-S, Satan. Once we realized what it said, it went quiet. Mind you, it was bright daylight but we couldn't hear the wind or anything. It was like time froze on us. And again, cue the waterworks from Chewie, Kalite, and I. We were scared shitless. My cousin Hedo then asked Satan, can we leave? And again, it said no. There was no calming us. Bonnie began to yell at Hedo, and he lost his composure. And he tried again to leave, but couldn't. It was like our legs stopped working for us. Hedo took a deep breath and said, Maybe someone new needs to ask if we can leave. And so, Kalite asked, and the board went crazy. The tab went side to side, our fingertips still attached. And suddenly, we were released and we got up and we ran as fast as we physically could, leaving the board behind. I was sobbing and ran to my Nana's house. My cousin Kalite and Chewie ran home to their mothers to tell them what happened, while Hedo and Bonnie ran to who knows where. I told my Nana everything. She was upset, but she had my uncle drive us to where we had left the board, and it was gone. My Nana got the boys rounded up, and they swear they didn't have it. And after digging around in their rooms, the board didn't come up. My Nana called a priest and had us blessed and had a healer pray over charm bracelets for protection. And we didn't speak of this again. My cousins and I all parted different ways. Kalite became a politician, Hedo a lawyer, Chewie an owner of a cab licensing place, and Bonnie... Well, he was a class A criminal. 
Now, I won't give a year or where it happened, but Bonnie was murdered when he was 25 years old. He was one of eight other victims of a supposed serial killer. He was shot twice in the face while he slept. His death was what reunited my cousins and I, and it left us completely mind-blown. The board had told us that Bonnie would be killed, and when Kalite asked when, it responded with just 10. I still think of this fateful day. Maybe life would have been different if we hadn't played with the board. Maybe Bonnie wouldn't have lived this life so recklessly. Waiting for death at his door. I wish we could take it back, but maybe this was fate. I hope you all enjoyed this episode. For real-time updates on the podcast, follow me on Instagram at TheScareCast. Also, I need some ideas for a holiday giveaway. Should I give out free shirts, personalized postcards, or gift cards? Message me some ideas, please. I want to give back to you all since you all dedicate so much time listening to this podcast. And of course... I won't be able to give everyone a gift, so whatever it will be, it will end up being a raffle of some sort. Anyways, I hope you all have a safe Black Friday, and you all get to cop some merch since I will be having a Black Friday sale this weekend only. And all of my merch is fulfilled by Amazon, so if you're a Prime subscriber, you can save on shipping, and you can get your item fast and reliably. Thanks to the sponsor of this episode, horror podcast series, Sleep-Wake Cycle. Make sure you all go check it out. The link will be in the description of this episode. As always, be safe out there. And until next time.